Welcome, everybody, to the weekly Probate Mastery Group Coaching Call. If you're on Facebook, just keep in mind we don't see your comments, even though Kat's trying to watch. So this is all about you guys. How can we help you? Josh Foster, you made it, buddy. Dude, every time, man, I'm always tied up at this time. So I made time to be here today. Yeah, good to see you, brother. So two things. First, I want to, uh, I know everybody enjoys this group, but I want to thank you again for all the value that you bring. I think I started taking your course about two years ago. And had I not done that, I was doing a lot of probate stuff already. But being able to streamline it and scale it, that was the missing piece of my puzzle. And man, I want to thank you. I just closed the deal. I'm in Louisiana. The sellers were in Michigan. We just settled the estate for their late son. And I got a glowing review. He, he they're old, the, the executors were elderly. They don't have a Google account. So they emailed me, but we've copied and pasted it, posted it everywhere. So I just want to say thank you for that. And I have a quick question. I want to do about a one, a 30 second, one minute video to advertise in front of my probate audience. I want to get that out in front. I, I kind of looked at what you posted, wanted to get an idea of, you know, how do I, Louisiana is called secession. Everywhere mm -hmm. else is called probate. So I, I want to kind of call it both. And I want to create a community and I'm trying to come up with a name, you know, something where people know what it is and where the resources are. Sure. We're talking about paid traffic, right? Yes. I'd like to run my paid traffic through my community. You know, I want to create a group and then, you know, and run that, run the ads. I've got the probate list downloaded already from all my leads, all, all my leads I've ever purchased through probate. I've got that. And I want to run that because what we've run into, we got hit with two major hurricanes and I started, I think, five natural disasters in eight months or something. So a lot of our probate stuff, I'm just now starting to see it break loose again where people's getting things ready to go back and get back on track to sell. Okay. So what is, what I usually suggest, like for, for a paid campaign, like if you're going to, you know, put something in front of, like if, if it's, this isn't part of your content strategy, but part of your paid ad strategy, a video in front of your local courthouse whether they're in a trust succession or a probate success, they have been there, right? That's a familiar building. So the, the recipe is interrupt, engage, educate, and then, you know, ask. So we want to interrupt them wherever they are. Facebook's a very distracting place. So the interruptive piece, that, that backdrop of having the county courthouse as part of the interruption and get them to pay attention. And you can, you know, the, your basic message there is, hi, my name is Josh Foster. I'm standing somewhere you're probably familiar with. This is the, you know, whatever parish courthouse. And we come down here once a month to meet with the probate clerk to find out who actually can use or the succession clerk, whatever that title is, but who in our community we, we you know, we need to be reaching. And you're seeing this ad because uh, you've been identified as somebody that we, that our team can help. So if you want to stick around for just a little bit longer, I'll tell you more about what we do. You can also read below if you'd rather see that. And then just explain your service, pitch it just like you would to a, a red hot referral. If that family you just helped called you and said, Josh, my, could you please do what you did for us for this person? But we haven't told them what you do. Can you just explain it to them in five minutes before they go to, the, you know, and like create your little mental challenges like that for yourself. How would I speak to a referral from that that client, that happy client. And yeah. if I only had three minutes to do that before they had to rush away, 
And I wanted to make sure that they, they couldn't wait to call me back after that three minute, after whatever they were rushing away to. That's a pretty good mental challenge to help you really get your best video. Uh, yeah. Elevator and speech. Yeah. So yes. I thought about at the beginning of the blasting at the very beginning, like an inherited, inherited property question mark or inherited headache. So what you can do is a bar above and a bar below, and then your video framed in the middle. So that's showing anytime. If they start watching it five seconds in or 20 seconds in, either way, you've got that black or white above or below. And you could use your company, you could use exit colors, like you could use the teal or whatever, but just basically a, a horizontal bar at the top, horizontal bar at the bottom, and then your copy, your, your question should be on top. You know, like probating an estate in Louisiana at the question at the top. Did you know that there's a social enterprise that will help you for free at the bottom? Something like that. Okay. But what the idea is, so you run that to run that, you know, upload it natively to Facebook. Go ahead and upload it natively to YouTube. You may as well start a YouTube channel. It's consistent with your, with your Facebook group name. Okay. As far as names, there's not a lot of search traffic for probate or succession or anything else. So as far as a, a soft brand, what we find to work well is the word transition. It also gives you a scalable brand. So if your group ultimately welcomes people who are going through a divorce situation or guardianship or other big life transitions that, that force decisions to sell real estate, then you've got a scalable brand. So rather than being like the, you know, the South New Orleans parish probate team or succession team, you can be Louisiana, Louisiana transitions or Louisiana life transitions. Or What do you think about the word shift? I think it's a, abrupt. Like I did a series called Shift Happens and it really got, it got a lot of attention and it was relevant because it was as COVID was setting on and we were making market predictions before the money printing press started. So it was really good in that context. In the probate content, I'm not sure about here if it's that relevant to your audience. Okay. What is relevant to them is, you know, they're not aware that a resource like you have is in the community because there's just, there's just no, people haven't done it, right? Exactly. Um, so you've got to think, what what is their mindset? What are their biggest struggles? Not like the fear of fear of messing up and not understanding the process or probably probably their biggest fears and managing that fear while being under emotional distress. So while while mourning or grieving. So think of trigger words that like relax. <laughs> and but that's why at transition I, I say it's kind of a softer brand touch because it's Louisiana transitions versus L Louisiana succession group. It, it's just kind of cold yeah. and it's not that emotional. Yeah. So anything that would appeal to that their emotional state We've had really good success with the transition as, as part of that brand and whatever your locality is. So when they land on the landing page, that will be the, where you embed the YouTube video. You want to make sure you have captions turned on in case they're in an environment where they don't want to have the sound on. And in Facebook too, their technology is getting way better. Their transcription is top notch. Even when you talk like a hick, like I do, they, they do pretty good. Make sure you've got the captions on. So, and then make sure your copy below matches basically everything you say in the video. You want to summarize in bullet points or succinct copy. Okay. And your testimonial should be either between the video and the copy or right below the copy. Your call to action should be a calendar link, not get on our list or anything like this. It's it schedule yeah, your schedule call, like do what's right for your family. Now, let us call you when the time's right, but you know, at a time that's best for you. 
But the best call to action you're going to do there is either call me right now or let me know which time, what time I should be calling you. Here's my schedule. Have you tested it both ways? I think I would like to schedule a time for someone to call me. So you never know. It's It's 50-50. If you watch some of the videos, like a lot of times, and because I've been traveling, I don't drive traffic to the phones in this business. But in all the leaves, I always prominently displayed the phone number in the header of the website. So the, the most successful landing page and campaigns I've ever built say, Hey, my name's Chad Corbett founder here. If you've got just a second, you can, you can browse below and, and see what this is all about. There's actually a number above. If you'd rather call us, go ahead and do that. So I would give them permission in the introduction of the video. It's like, Hey, you know, if you're in a hurry, I get people are busy. You can learn more about what we do on this page. If you don't have time to watch the video, you can also call us at the number below. But for those of you who have stuck around and do have some time, my name is Josh Foster. Here's what I do to make the world a better place. Da, 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 da. But tell them what you want them to do. Say, if you're, you know, right below this video, you have an opportunity to schedule directly into my calendar, or you can call me right now. That said, let me jump into why you're seeing this and how we can help families like yours. Love it. Thank you. Yep. I think you take it for granted in your explanations, but you frequently gave Josh the example of Louisiana Succession Help, Louisiana Transition Services. Don't underestimate the importance of leading with the locale you serve, especially since you're trying to come up with a name for your Facebook community. Facebook very much reads left to right when you search a term. So the first word you search is going to be the most prominent thing. If you were to go to Facebook right now and type, um, you guys have parishes in... That's correct. So if you were to go to your toolbar in Facebook and search the name of the parish you want to work in, that's going to trigger a lot of results. And it's something that people search a lot more frequently than probate, inheritance, property. And it gets you at least in the right geographic area of where you want to connect with people. So anyone thinking about their Facebook group name, try to work that general market location as one of the first leading words of your title. Perfect. So we're in Southwest Louisiana. And it's designated, or, you know, most of the time, SWLA. That's kind of the, the region, the five parish region that is that we serve here. And that's common amongst local. You know, that's, that's a common, you'll hear ads and everything talk about the SWLA area. Yep, just like the Maryland, Virginia, that's the DMV area. So whatever people are familiar with saying, that's what should be in your title of your Facebook group, because that's what people will use themselves. Yep. Agreed. Well, Josh, when you get it all set up, if you don't mind, drop a link in the community so other people can can see what you actually ended up with. Will do, man. And I want to thank the guy that did Phoenix Life Transitions. His, I know his page is new or his group is new, but he's got some great stuff over there. Uh, that's that Ronald Cram. Oh yeah, Ron. Okay. Corey Richardson, what are you going to do with all that money you made last week? Yeah, so we got uh, four of the five are pending right now. So about two Surprise. weeks away from closing. Can't awesome. can't complain. Can't complain. Have you picked out your new truck? <laughs> Hopefully, we'll be able to do an assignment now. That's my next plan. Cool. Yeah. He's been working with me on that, and that's hopefully in the cards soon. Yeah. Awesome. And you've identified the opportunity. Or are you still looking for one? Uh, still looking for one. Yeah, somewhere uh, under half a mil. So <laughs> the price doesn't matter if you don't have to close on it. That's true. I've seen guys make $2 million assignment fees and never spend a penny on wow. mobile, home, mobile home parks, commercial like strip centers. So don't let yeah, the price yeah. intimidate you. 
uh, an assignment is an assignment as long as you can you know as long as you can it it's, doesn't have to be a simultaneous close there shouldn't be any capital cost to you you're in a higher price market and you can wholesale those big deals i had a friend just two days ago make 500 and i think it was 548 was the assignment fee on a house in california wow nuts right that's that's big yeah sometimes those deals come Everything I've had so far is just, you know, they wanted the most money that they can get on the market. So it's always leaning that way up here, but there's a few houses that are not financeable. So I think those will be an easier way to go for sure. So thanks for, thanks for the update, Corey, and congrats on the four pending. That's awesome. Thank you. John Fraker. Good to see your face here. Hey Chad, how's it going? Oh, well, how about you? I'm doing good. Thanks. Are you, you looks like you're back in the office or are you still at home? No home office. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everything keeps going back into greater restrictions. So I'm just staying at home just to be safe about it. Yeah. I decided to just go to Washington and hide in the woods. Nice. You ever go South for the winter, bro? I thought I was making it to Louisiana this past winter. And it's a, I would just say that living in an RV is a very dynamic lifestyle. Nothing goes as planned, <laughs> but um, yeah, I will, I'll see if I can get down there. And it looks like I'm probably, if, if NAR convention actually happens, it looks like I'll be there with the exit gang. Awesome. All right. looks like Alex has something. Jump in, man. Okay. I, uh, my mom just paid her property off. I'm trying to get her, prepare her to avoid uh, probate because uh, my dad just passed away in December. He didn't have any assets or, or anything, not a van, but sold it. What she wants to do, she has her property paid off and she wants to invest into other properties, but can't because she has, she's on SSI or retirement and she's not, she doesn't make enough. So she wants to add my brother's name to the property. And I was wondering how can I do that without making things difficult to access the equity or refinance? Because I heard if you do do that, it would make it more difficult if you add a, a, a sibling or a family member to the uh, to the property. You're saying she wants to access equity in the home, but she can't get her get approved for a refi loan because of her fixed income. Yes, sir. I would talk to more refi lenders first. Talk to refi lenders first. Yeah, just talk to more. You might have to talk to a handful. Banks are are. I mean, I mean hell, they're paying us to take money right now. Okay. You should be able to find somebody, especially in, in this part of a market cycle, that's comfortable writing her a HELOC. A lot of HELOC lenders, like the one I use, may or HELOC. may not. Where are you? Home equity line of credit is what I mean. Uh, Houston, Texas. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. First Citizens Bank, I think they've bought some banks in Texas, but uh, they'll give me a 90 LTV at Prime Plus a quarter which is a fantastic loan, right? And it's way better than a reverse mortgage. The other option for her is a reverse mortgage, but it's probably going to end up stripping equity out that you guys won't get. And you'll have you know that to deal with at the end. The other option you could do is if you guys are going to inherit the house and you guys are credit worthy, why don't you and your brother buy your mom's house? Yeah, I was thinking that also. You're going to get it back, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I mean, we're all on Give her an 80% offer, like, because if she's going to get an 80% HELOC, then she's going to pay interest on that cash. You guys are ultimately going to end up with the property anyways. So why don't the two of you offer, give her a contract for 80% of the, of the market value. That's your interest on your money over time. And when she passes away, you guys inherit it and you get, you get your money back. You get to see your return. Awesome. Awesome. I I was kind of thinking about that also, but I was talking to a lender 
that she put in front of me who was who gave me that idea about putting my brother's name on the property so but yeah i mean that's awesome that you said that because i was kind of like thinking that too but i didn't know if i was like going too far down the i mean the other benefit that you're going to have to that is when and if she ever has to go under medicaid care you're stripping you're taking the asset so you, that starts a five-year window a five-year clock where if in the next five years she has to have medicaid pay for medical bills then you're going to have to step up and and use a different strategy. And there is, there are strategies for that. You can basically pay Medicaid 60% of that property value and then buy a, a whole life insurance policy against your mother for more than what you advanced, you know, to cover that, that Medicaid cost. But if she, if, if it's after five years, then they will, they'll pick up her medical bills. The home won't be in her name anymore. Now, whatever she bought with the cash could have to be liquidated, but the house will, will, you know, so I think all things considered, and I like to hear if John agrees with me, I think the best move you have is to, for you guys to just go ahead and buy the house from her. And the other question, you don't have to answer this publicly if you don't want. Uh, well, let me just, I won't put you on the spot that way. If her net worth is worth, if she's worth more than a half a million bucks, you should probably just set up a living trust for her in addition to this. Yeah, I was I'm, I'm, I was talking to a lawyer yesterday about doing that already. I set up an appointment to do a living trust also. Her net worth, her properties, like I think it's like close to 200 maybe a little bit over 200 yeah that, she has other assets right yes yeah i mean you got to look at the cost like the living trust makes sense for damn near everyone but all things considered I, I do think you guys going ahead and buying the home as long as she's comfortable with that and and i would add too that if she's not comfortable then you guys buy the house and give her a lifetime estate so then she can be comfortable even if if you and your brother get wrapped up in a in a divorce or a bad car accident and someone comes after your assets because you weren't smart enough to have a trust if anything would ever happen the home won't get taken from her because it's something outside of her control so you might consider just you two buy it and give her a lifetime estate or you give her a lease great so she, great. she has a legal right to to occupy the property and someone can't throw her out all right awesome awesome uh real quick chad also i just wanted to thank you for this this program I mean, these meetings all in itself, I would have paid just to have these meetings and be uh, listening to all the great information, you know, from all the people here from like David and everyone else. So thank you all. Cool, man. Well, thanks for the compliment. Kat, go ahead and send Alex an invoice, please. I want to give John an opportunity to correct me or add or, you know, anything, any like what advice do you have for Alex? Uh, you can agree with me, too, if you agree. Agree. Just kidding. Yeah. I mean, number one thing I, I ask people when someone says put my brother's name on the deed or something on the house or whatever, it's important to get crystal clear on what we're talking about. So people, you know, clients get elderly, they don't have a trust, they add their son or daughter to a bank account. If it's just for the purpose of like writing checks, that's one thing. But if you add somebody to a deed and it's like a joint tendency, you got to you got a whole bunch of issues to address in joint tenancy. In my, you know, 20 plus years of doing this, joint tenancy is like the most powerful thing and nobody understands at all how it works. You know, it's interesting you're talking about the Medicaid planning. When I started the early 2000s, California law actually allowed your entire residence, 100% of the equity in your residence to be exempt and excluded for Medicaid purposes. And so back then, like all good things, it got taken away. But in the beginning, there's a lot of attorneys did irrevocable trusts, a specific type of Medicaid trust. People will put their house into it, transfer it effectively through the trust to their kids, maintain that lifetime right of living in it, which was actually something you had to document in order to prove that it wasn't a gift and trigger any of the lookbacks. You actually had to sign a, a lifetime right of return to the property, even if the parent 
physically could never return. And so people were doing that. It got real abused. There are some law firms that were doing mills, people doing it with having no understanding as to why, like, you know, we had one lady, she's like, my dad went to one of those seminars and put their $3 million house in Saratoga in a Medicaid trust. And I was like, for what purpose? Just like for Medicaid. I'm like, your family is a $3 million house. Are you saying you don't have enough healthcare? People, you know, the tail was starting to wag the dog at that point. And uh, that was a big mess. So in California, I don't know about Texas, it's important to consult with an attorney in, you know, in each state for the Medicaid law. California, they reduced it. I think it's about half a million of equity that you can shield from Medicaid look back. But beyond that, you got to get your, you know, consult with an attorney, figure out what your timeframes are, how many months of exclusion you, if you transfer an asset like that, that's one way of doing it. Yeah. Home equity lines of credit obviously are better than reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages in our industry are like the annoying stepchild because people go out and get them. And then when the people die, like if, if you have a traditional mortgage, they will just wait to get repaid. Like as long as you're making that normal payment to Wells Fargo, B of A or whatever on your mortgage, they don't care. They're not going to hassle you when somebody dies. But a reverse mortgage are like the first people to care. So I have a, I have an estate right now. They have about a little under 3 million of real estate, two different homes here in Santa Clara County. One of them has a reverse mortgage. There's no cash to just pay it off. And the reverse mortgage, like the lady died. She had no kids. It's, she died in testate, no documents. And no near relatives, like her first cousin is actually the one administering the estate. And we had to like speed their approval just so that the reverse mortgage people didn't try to foreclose on the house. And like their interest is maybe 20%, 25%, but they can absolutely foreclose on the entire house just to get their money back. And that's why I tell people, if you, if you use them, they're a last resort, but understand what comes with that. If you don't have a check that you can write them to give them their money back, you better come up with a game plan real fast. Yep. That's the same advice I give. So, John, I'm curious, and in, in your experience with that, have you ever been able to use, to successfully file an injunction to stop a foreclosure, or did it just it just went? You can tie them up. California again, every state is completely different on how they handle mortgages, and that we are a trustee state. They have a statutory right to foreclose, and so what I always tell people, and we got everyone got a real PhD from 2008 to 2012 in California. We actually got a heads up in 2007. We had a case that started to go south and started to go into foreclosure in 2007. And the rule is that probate is supposed to work like bankruptcy, right? All your creditors line up in an orderly manner and they get paid off in order, including Uncle Sam and the Franchise Tax Board. Those are not patient creditors outside of probate, but everybody has to wait their turn. Except in California law, the mortgage company has a statutory right to foreclose. They can jump in line and blow everything up. So those type of arrangements have to be handled with extreme care. In, in 2008, 2009, 2010, that's literally every probate attorney had to master getting yourself a TRO against them, an injunction to stop it, slow it. But it only buys you so much time. Once that expires, they can go ahead and move it. So it got real nasty there for a bit. The entire state's going insolvent because nobody could pay off the mortgage and they come in and destroy all the equity in the property. They charge you with their lawyer fees, their all their all their fees and everything. And you know, I had one lady just before I was doing real estate and she's like, no, I'm going to hold on to it. And they were like foreclosing. We basically, my business partner walked into court, told the judge, all we need is 30 days to sell this property. And the judge's like, why shouldn't I just remove the restraining order now? And like, honestly, the only reason the judge didn't just blow it up is that he was, you know, having compassion on this lady. And the judge looked directly at the client and addressed her directly, which they almost never did. And said, this is your last chance. Get it sold pay these people off because I'm letting this thing lapse shortly. And we walk out in the hallway or Leon walking out in the hallway and she's like, Oh, I don't want to sell it. I'm going to declare bankruptcy. And, and this like absolute train wreck where she was determined to shoot herself in the foot. So 
Wasn't that I'd ask how quickly the reverse mortgage companies move to start the, the foreclosure proceedings? It's typically, I mean, in most states and most most of those documents, it's 180 days that they have the right to move to recover. You can even wholesale those and you can even flip those, but and you can take them subject to, but you damn well better be aware of the timelines and you better be aware of, of foreclosure laws in your state and how that process works. And in my experience, at least 80% of heirs who have a home with a reverse mortgage and you know limited equity, even if there is equity, they'll most oftentimes do what John was, like the story he was just telling. They'll, they'll shoot themselves in the foot, put their head in the sand. They end up just saying, you know, just letting it go. So a lot of them do go to foreclosure when they wouldn't have had to. So if we can get them to engage with us and we understand, and if you want to learn more about them, you can search for it's HECM, like Heckam Loans and Reverse Mortgage Lending, and really learn the, the ins and outs of those. The other thing that I've thought of that I don't think I've talked about in quite a while, like you guys, imagine how many of you are going to encounter situations like Alex. How many of these families are you going to work with that spouse A passes away, spouse B sitting on a house with a ton of equity? equity and that equity is being unused. What if we encouraged every one of those situations, every one of those people to access their equity through a HELOC or other, other creative measures like we've been discussing to free up capital? And if they don't want to invest the capital, then you borrow it from them or have your investors borrow it from them. Make them first mortgage lenders. Like you can turn these, these, the, the survivors of these estates should be one of your your top private private capital sources. And Corey, that was kind of pointed at you too, man. Like if if you want to do some wholesaling and you want to do more investing, you're in a high net worth area. So when you cash these folks out, you should have the courage to and, and look at it as a leadership, but you should you should know exactly what they intend to do or not do with the money. Because if they're just going to leave it sitting in family coffers or it's going to be trapped, if, if spouse A passed and the equity's trapped in the house, always find out what they're going to do with the equity because that gives us another opportunity to, to send a referral or to capitalize our next deal. Maybe we get them to an estate planning attorney. Maybe we get them to a registered investment advisor. Maybe we take them to the attorney's office and turn them into private money lenders. But when you find these situations, just because a house transferred or spouse A died and spouse B doesn't want to sell, it doesn't mean you can't provide a, an extreme amount of value to them and monetize that. So just a reminder, there's a, there's a lot more that, you know, that we can do than we typically discuss on any given call. Those are things we talk about in mastery, but just a reminder for anyone who is intrigued by this conversation, like it's happening in your business too. I have a question. When you were saying about the HELOC instead of the reverse mortgage, what happens if they're older on a fixed income and they don't qualify? Does Do they have to qualify or does the house qualify? It depends on the lender. So right now you've got very loose. I mean, it, it's, it's the government stepping up to buy a lot of paper. So mortgage companies, and now these are typically like if it's a first position HELOC, then a community bank is going to portfolio that loan. It's not going to be sold on the secondary market. So that's why I say you may have to interview several lenders. And what I mean by a community bank, typically for me, that's a bank that's inside this town or this, this region, but no bigger, like under a $3 billion bank. And they large servicers are coming around too. Like, like Atlantic Bay mortgage is the largest, largest lent mortgage company in Virginia and they've expanded their footprint, but they now portfolio almost, I think it was 51% of their, their loans are portfolio, meaning they're not looking to sell 
um, on the secondary market. So lenders like that who don't have to, it, it's a non-QM loan, right? They're not looking for a secondary market buyer. They will do loans like this. If you go to a community bank and you say, look, here's the cat. And here's the other thing. If you do hit snags, Alex, if your mom has cash, like if she has cash in another bank, if that bank won't do the loan, take the damn cash, put it with a community bank and say, listen, here's $10,000. I'd like to, I'll open, I'll give you a one-year CD with this 10 grand. If you give me a HELOC, they're getting nine to one leverage on the money and you're off to pay them interest and not ask for any on your own or you know a minuscule amount on the cd so there's little finance tricks like this and it's it's just i find what your mortgage banker says isn't always the whole story like they only know what they know a lot of times they work in their blue box and anything that gets outside of that box scares the shit out of them right like most brokers so you may have to interview some banks and actually ask for what you want and say listen you know if we put ten thousand dollars in a, in a cd we both know that you can lend that out as a hundred thousand dollars so I'll give you $10,000. You give my mom a $100,000 line of credit against the house. You get a first position mortgage. If we don't do what we say, you win both ways. You got our money and our equity then. You just have to be assertive and not take what the first person tells you at face value all the time. But smaller banks are easier to work with. But sometimes the biggest, you know, if, if they have, if they're portfolioing a lot of paper, they'll get creative with you too. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff, Chad. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Alex. Interesting topic. Ronald, I see your hand up, man. Sorry, I gave, I almost gave all your credit away earlier. You got, you got called out for doing a good job on your Facebook group and your, uh, your, oh, yeah, right before you came in, like everybody was singing your praise. Cat even danced. Cat was like, he did it. He did it. <laughs> you missed it, man. I missed that. Oh, wow. I'm cutting that part out of the recording. So if you, <laughs> if you didn't see me dance, it's because I cut it out. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So actually I have a question about this same thing. I'm, I'm trying to figure out because my, my uncle just passed away yesterday and I'm concerned about my aunt. They uh, lived in California or my aunt still does. And I know that he had a reverse mortgage on the, the home. And I'm a little bit concerned about my aunt at, at this point. Does she intend to stay in the home, Ronald? I'm not sure what she's, she's her name on the note. I don't even know that. If her name's on the note, you're okay because she's still occupying the property. The fine print and the note will say whenever the, the note holder, whenever the mortgagee no longer lives, resides in the property, that starts the the clock. Okay. And somebody just offered to look it up for you. If you'd like to give the names, whoever is on Zoom as iPhone, if you want to join us on the mic. Oh, that's Daniel. Yeah. So Daniel Morey is offering to help you look at, look up the mortgage. Daniel, what, can I call you when the call is over? What's your phone number? Eight six seven five three zero nine. It was going through at least at least half of you were thinking it. All right, you see it in the yeah. chat. Six okay. seven three one two one. So chances are uh, you don't have a ticking clock if she was on the note. Like you'll be okay until she has to vacate the property. But this is a really good time to be talking about what's the plan, right? What happens yeah. when? What happens when you do have to move in with somebody or when you do have to give this up and even move into an apartment? We have a 180 day window. It's probably enough time to sell and there's probably equity there, but it's a damn good reason to have the discussion and get a plan in place. So mm -hmm. make sure because a lot of folks, what I find, a lot of kids are super pissed that their parents signed a reverse mortgage and the, the surviving spouse usually doesn't understand what was signed. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, you know, what do you mean? I, I can't move in with my daughter. I'm like, well, 
you have to sell the house if that's what you're going to do, or you have to find a way to pay off that mortgage. And they're like, well, I don't have that kind of cash. I'm like, then you have to sell the house. So a lot of folks don't understand what they sign. So this is a great way to broach that conversation and, and remind her, hey, this is attached to the house. Is there a way you can pay it off to get this, you know, get out from under it? Otherwise, like John said, a lot of times they will very quickly rack up penalties, legal fees, all kinds of bullshit and just strip out the equity from the estate. Okay. Good to know. Thank you so much. All right. I got a quick question. I went out on an appointment yesterday and I met with, met with a gentleman. There are three heirs involved in this estate. They all three are co-executors. Love that when that happens, but they're all three co-executors. <laughs> he, of course, lives the closest to the property. So he's, of course, the one taking care of it. The other two sisters live out of town, live, one lives out of state. They, they're dragging to get the house cleaned out. He's ready to, he's done. He's over with it. He's tired of mowing the grass, paying someone to do it. It's in a rural area. It's got some acreage with it. Has some hurricane damage. The issue is, and this is what I'm telling him, and he's all for it, but we've got to get this house on the market. He needed to have it on the market last month. We need to get, so I told him, you know, we're selling, we're selling a little mini farm or a little mini ranch. It's easier to sell that and we want to sell when we got green grass to photograph and, you know, people can go out there and just envision it. It's harder to do that in the wintertime. So is there a tactic that we can use to get the sisters on board with go ahead and cleaning the property out? I tell, even told him, look, I've got a 3D camera. I'll go room to room and they can start picking the crap that they want. We'll set it aside. The rest will we'll have it moved out. We'll hire someone to come in and, and clean it out. You know, send them a letter. Hey, this I'm moving forward. Y'all want to get this done? Let's go. What was there another tactic I'm missing? I need to get them on the phone. First, are they looking for retail? They, yeah, I think, I don't think he's looking for retail, but I think the two sisters are looking for retail. Because this is a perfect opportunity. Like these are the best ones to buy. When, when you have scattered airship like their scattered responsibility typically the kids will start fighting and then they get worn out and the brother's tired of mowing and this is where a cash offer on the on the table gets signed right so if you have any interest in purchasing it you probably have a pretty good prospect that you could buy this one at a discount If that's not the case, if they want to go retail and you feel like that's the best course for them. One of the things I've done to overcome the objection of personal property is, you know, those little uh, yard sale stickers like that you have green, blue, red. Let's just go with a stoplight. Let's go with green, yellow, red. And you should schedule a a time to do a uh, FaceTime or whatever, if it's Zoom or whatever they can all connect on. Make sure you take a light and everything's well lit. And I would walk through the house and, and say, listen, you know, we've, if we're going to get this sold for the retail price you insist on having, I need drone photography. I need well-lit, clean spaces. And look up the statistics of what photography does, like, you know, the, the ROI on, on good photography versus bad photography or no photography. And basically say, listen, by not allowing me to get in there and get this house cleaned out and get good photography at this time of the year, you're likely going to cost yourself X number of dollars. And I just want to be clear with you guys, that's not my fault. I'm still going to work with you regardless, but if you trust me to lead you through this, I need you to trust me and listen. So let's go through, let's do a written inventory. Let's put red stickers on everything that's an heirloom that will not be sold. Yellow stickers on everything that can be sold and red stickers on everything or green stickers on everything that's ready to go to the dump Goodwill or Salvation Army. And let's get this started and hold them accountable to a date that you can have photography 
and let them know that you've already prepaid for that photography and it's going to hurt you, harm you. You're trying to help them. So don't harm me because I've already paid this guy to be here on the 17th. And that's what I would use to kind of just get them out of the quicksand, take away the objections. We've got you know, we have a recorded video inventory. We have a written inventory list. We have a staging area and we have a clean house that's going to show well. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Kat had a good suggestion. She said, show them badmlsphotos.com and uh, ask if they want to pay top, if they want top dollar or not. So, all right. Does anybody else have anything you want to cover today? If not, I'll let you get back to work. Well, guys, listen, thanks so much. We have, we, these, these are just always the best conversations. Lots of interesting talk conversations today. Hopefully you got some ideas and like, oh, I got to put that on my list. But again, thanks for being part of our community, guys. Always participating. John, David, Lynette, all the regulars, Steve. Thanks thanks for everybody being here. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon.